1: Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you into the 7 o'clock hour. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. You can hear it right here on Sports Radio 610. Oh. Yeah.
2: I didn't know we were carrying it. We are. I guess we do every year. We are home for
1: NFL football here in the uh, city of Houston. They carried the Pro Bowl yesterday over my Sunday show. They covered up my Sunday show here with the damn flag football (laughs) game.
2: Taking money out of your pocket. Not really. Taking money out of little Sammy's college fund. (laughs) Not
1: really. (laughs) Not really. Um,
2: Oh, oh, they played it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, no, I was. You still did your show. They just didn't play it
1: locally. They didn't play it locally. here. Yeah, I was covered up in a lot of markets. It was funny because I first, I I was on for five hours yesterday just because of the pre-Super Bowl schedule. I got to do a little extra. Um, And for the first three hours, I was getting a lot of phone calls from all over the country. It was great. And then all of a sudden at 2 o'clock, kickoff time for the pro bowl flag football game. It just dried up and nobody's calling in. And I'm, so I just yeah, kept doing people were
2: what? Oh, oh, they just okay, couldn't, they couldn't hear yeah, my show. You. Yeah. 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 yeah so they, you
1: know, there was, you know, unless they were listening directly on the odyssey app to CBS sports radio. So I didn't
2: know your listeners on your Sunday show were, uh, couldn't afford smartphone apps. Evidently Those not. A- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a- up the affluence <laughs> level
1: of my listener. Yeah. Um, so, um, so D'Amico Ryan's last week. I think there were a lot of preconceived notions. I think going into this coaching search, and then once D'Amico became the guy, I think the, I think some of those continued to fester. I think more bubble to the surface, and a lot of them had to do with, um, with the combination of D'Amico Ryan's and Nick Casario. Um, was D'Amico a hire that the McNairs forced on Nick because Nick's a Patriots guy? I think we've learned enough now, both publicly in press conferences and probably privately if you were over at the stadium last week, and hopefully we've conveyed to you some of the things you need to be a little more educated on, on how this is all going to go. Hopefully it goes well. Um, but I think there's some things we can put to bed that people might have been worried about before all this. So I've got a list here, Seth, of a few of these things, and certainly I've got audio to back some of these up, and I want to get your thoughts on these. I think the first one is people were concerned, like Nick is a Patriots guy, D'Amico is a Kubshanistan guy, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, so, boy, how can these coaching trees ever collaborate? One of them has to dominate the other, do they not? Nick Casario addressed that. We asked him that question directly on our show last Friday.
3: Football is football. And all of us are trained a certain way, and we grow up a certain way. So D'Amico's background, and he mentioned this yesterday, I thought it was a really great answer about the different coaches that have impacted him what he's taken from the different coaches, whether it was Gary, whether it was Chip, whether it was Andy Reid, whether it was Kyle. And in my situation, I had the good fortune of being really in one place for almost 20 years or 20 seasons. And we're all a product of our background, and our foundation is based on principles that we learn wherever we work, and you accumulate those over time. So the application of those principles – Regardless of what system or tree you grew up in, in the end, the core elements are going to be the same. So you talked about what, the, what you want your team to look like, what are the things that are important. You're going to take bits and pieces, and in the end, we have to make it our brand of football, our program, what do we believe in, and it's usually accumulation of things that you learn over time.
1: You were the first one that I heard kind of really trumpeting the fact that you thought these two guys are going to work together really well. Yeah, At the height yeah, of the skepticism, he, <laughs> you were right, saying right. That.
2: Which, you know, and I would be the first to also point out that we haven't actually seen them work together yet. And yet, it's, it, you could tell from, especially, from, I think, from Nick's point of view, or just watching Nick and the way he responded to D'Amico and the enthusiasm with which he talked about D'Amico, you could see that this certainly didn't feel like a, a force to anything. Like, I, I'll tell you, one of the most awkward press conferences I ever saw with the Texans was when the, the 2005 season, when we would ultimately end up 2-14, and 14, midway through the year, they brought in Dan Reeves as a consultant, and they got up and did a press conference, and Charlie Casserly, the general manager, was up on stage with Bob McNair and Dan Reeves, and it felt. Awkward. Like, it did not look one bit like Casserly was enthusiastic <laughs> about having this, this extra guy around to get his perspective on things. It, um, that was a weird, it was a weird vibe. So this is the exact opposite of that. And I think as far as what Nick was saying, substantively, that, that, that is true. Yeah, look, everybody's kind of a hodgepodge and everybody, you know, comes and, Puts their own imprint on whatever they want to do. And especially in modern football, because you can, because teams use so many receivers so much and the passing game has exploded so much that nobody does exactly what, you know, Gary Kubiak was doing in 1997 with the Broncos or anything like that. And I think with both these guys, they're, I I think they both have an attitude that look, look, first and foremost, we got to do what we're capable of doing with the guys we have. So sometimes you might ultimately have a feel for what you want your offense to look like, but you don't have the Jimmys and Joes to do it, so you've got to change things up. And I think that both those guys you know, coming from that part of it look at it as, hey, we've got a bunch of different tools in our toolbox. Yeah. You know? So now we're combining our two toolboxes together and let's figure out what we can come up with.
1: The second one is sort of a, a, kind of a corollary of you know, the, the skepticism that the two coaching trees would be able to collaborate with each other. But I moved it up the list here just because I'm reading a text on the Trailer Wheel and Frame text page. 6057. I don't know if you all hit on this, but the New England tight ends coach was hired by some other team for what seems to be a lateral position. So that's nice. I don't want nothing to do with the Pats. I'm going to add to this, Seth. This is number two notion we can put to bed this will not be the last Patriots person. Nick Haley is the name of the person that you're thinking yep. of. Um, and I forget who he took a job with, but it, he's not coming here. He's taking a tight ends co- He's taking a position coaching job with another organization. You should know this. If someone with the Patriots interviews for a job with the Texans, it's not Nick forcing them on D'Amico. And if they hire him, brace yourself. It could very well be because D'Amico Ryans actually likes the guy.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I think that's the I, – I don't know. I – I'm trying to. I try not to, I'm trying to see exactly and understand why people are paranoid about this. And I think it's this. I think that there's a perception that Casario was a control freak or needed to, you know, be dominating everything. Really, because people don't realize that these last two years were a tank, you know, it, which they were. And I think that the, uh, I think that because the Texans spent money on free agents the people thought that like oh they were actually trying to win a bunch of games i think that the entire time they were they were spending money on free agents but it was guys on one and two year contracts for journeyman veterans And it was so you could still hopefully have some semblance of a competitive team while still bringing the rookies along. So tanking isn't, I mean, an outright tank was you're going to try to lose as many games as possible. And that's just, frankly, I don't think it's a smart thing to do in the NFL because guys get physically injured. Young players don't develop. The culture is just an abomination if you do that. So this was a, a modified free fall or whatever it is. And yes, like the last couple of coaches were not hired probably with the thought that they were going to be the long-term guys that maybe the upside could be maybe it will work out, whether it was Lovie Smith, Josh McCown, or whoever. Like maybe they thought, okay, if it works out, maybe that's cool, but it, it, this is the guy what we need right now. Um, I think now that they've gone through that two-year period of resetting, it's, it looks like what it felt like on stage, which is, okay, this is Casario wanting to be a GM. And, and, and part of that is like, okay, I have a coach who can coach, yeah. and I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about David Culley screwing up the simple stuff that I, you know, where Casario messed up when was expecting, I think he expected Culley to actually be halfway competent, and he wasn't, so he had to step in and do some things that he probably would prefer to have not been doing.
1: Perfect segue. Perfect segue because I think the third notion we can put to bed is the one where people say, well, Nick's got to be in control on game day. He's going to want to make decisions with the headsets up in the booth and whatnot. We asked him about that last week on Friday, and I thought Nick got as agitated as Nick will get in having to answer a question. He he tends to be pretty straight-faced answering questions. I could tell just at the very beginning of this one, he was. I don't think he was agitated at us for asking the question. I think he's probably agitated that this is still a thing. But here he was. What's your role going to be on game day, Nick? Do you need to have the headsets on?
3: Honestly, I don't really care what my role is on game day. Like, I'm here to support. I'm here to help the team. I don't want to get in the way. All right. I think I can be a resource and help, and that's my job and responsibility. So whatever that entails, I've had the good fortune of doing a lot of different things on game day. So offensively, I've done personnel for the defense at one point you know getting that to the defensive coordinator (laughs) i'm not calling plays i'm not saying i'm going to do that i'm really there to observe and listen and learn and watch so that after the game when he and i are having a discussion it can be constructive it's not you know well i didn't understand what was happening so i love football i love everything that goes into it i have a i'd say a decent understanding of some of the schematics and I just want to be able to help in any way possible.
2: Um, the, the part about people not liking Nick being on the headset, that was another one that has just always been curious to me just because it was something he had done in New England for 20 years, and I don't think at any point people thought he was trying to uh, subvert <laughs> – Bill Belichick or somehow topple him or something. That's the part I didn't get. Like if you go if you go from one job and you're doing this and you do it for twenty years, sometimes you he wasn't always on over the course of that two decades on the headset. And then when all of a sudden you do the same thing in a new place, I d I didn't I really honestly didn't understand exactly why that became some kind of ploy to exert control over people. Um, I don't like I don't like GMs who just sit around in a suit and in hobnob with fancy game day. I don't get it. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. I feel like you're a politician then more so than an actual football person. One of my YouTube subscribers, I, I asked him, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't think that Nick could stop being so arrogant. He made a comment about Nick's arrogance. Um, so I asked him like, okay, could you please explain that? Because I genuinely, I don't see that. I don't get that from Casario, but I know I see it a lot. Um, So I was just asking him to be more specific about it. He said, because he's just like his daddy, Belichick, he acts like a know-it-all. He talks down to everyone, just like Belichick. He answers questions like Belichick, talking double-talk, saying everything without answering the questions. I think that's why people hate the Patriots so much. I do feel that he seemed much more relaxed at the press conference. Now, that's one reason that I enjoy your shows. It's apparent that uh, you guys are very intelligent, but you don't seem to try to talk down to your audience uh, and after that, I patted him on the head and said, good job, sport. <laughs> and uh, that's a nice compliment. Right. So um, I think that, let's see, I'd ask you to try to look at Nick more objectively. I think a lot of fans see him the same way. Love your shows. I I have tried to, like, try to figure out, okay, where does it come? And I think maybe it is something about, like, Nick, when he's, I think when he's talking about a lot of that stuff, I think he's kind of, maybe he says it in in a way where he's saying, like, look, this is the way it actually is. Almost like, um, like a like an IT guy sometimes gets frustrated with you not understanding computers, and uh, maybe that, maybe I would I would like to see. People who have had to live through scornful IT people, uh, do they are they more likely to find Nick uh, arrogant in his tone <laughs> or demeanor? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Is that what it is? Is a little bit of like, okay, instead of Nick saying like explaining it, it sounds more like he's saying like, look, this is the way maybe, it works, and blah 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 blah.
1: Maybe I mean I I don't find him to be condescending at all, but I, people yeah. internalize it different ways. A lot of times, you know, people color the personalities of others based like you just pointed out on their experience with people may- who maybe have similar personalities. Well, I, I think like
2: Nick Nick's got a little bit more of like, you know, like an engineering type of personality yes. as opposed to, you know, you've got your you know, you've got your science teachers that are like fun, awesome, storytelling science teachers, and they make it interesting. And then you got the other ones that if you're not if you're not a science nerd, it's kind of tough. Because they're just so straightforward, yeah. and I think I feel like a lot of people like are like, "All right, listen, uh, look, I don't want, I, I don't want my football to be like a nerd fest. Could you just talk to me, please?"
1: Um, number four on the list: notions we can, I think, put to bed after the the D'Amico press conference in the subsequent couple days last week. Um, a lot of people thought D'Amico he has issues with the McNairs. He sued them back in 2016. I mean, my God, or whenever it was, because of the turf. Um, this was a great answer, I thought, from D'Amico on his interview with Clint Sterner and Ron The show Hughley last Thursday on his relationship with the McNairs. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was huge because I, I know them in that McNair family, and, and you know, I'm thankful for the McNair family as I told them for the opportunity that they gave me right as a, a young 21-year-old being drafted here to change the trajectory of my family. And I know who they are. I know the people that they are. I know what they represent. So I know this is a a good organization led by great owners. Right. And whatever it is, we got put into a bad light over the past few years. But it's not about what happened in the past. It's like, what are we going to do moving forward? But knowing who the people are and knowing how genuine they are in their hearts, it makes it. Even easier decision. And Emmanuel Acho heard that quote and then proceeded to jump off a bridge. (laughs) No, you're supposed to hold
2: everything against them forever. You know, I know. No, and it's hard because it's we live in this time where you know people just want to be able to say like, are you racist or are you not racist? Are you is that guy a jerk or is he not a jerk? When I think that I think that Cal and Hannah McNair have have made a genuine effort to like a lot of people over the last several years. Okay. Recognize. Okay. What are my, what are my implicit biases? Like how, what do I not know about other people? Because I grew up in a different, you know, a different space than other people. And when you try to do that, it's, um, it's hard to have that conversation without giving out little sound bites here and there, or moments where people are like, well, yeah, you see there, they just don't get it. Um, and and I think, like, what D'Amico or other people, like, that know the McNairs have been put in a position where it's almost like you're asked to defend somebody on an all-or-nothing basis. Yeah. You know, like, where... Pick a side. Uh, like, where I would say, like, oh, can the McNairs improve in a lot of things with race relations? In the same way that all of us can, yes. Yeah. You know, like all of us. So you don't want to like complete like I would never completely exonerate myself from not having any kinds of biases or anything. But as soon as you get tried to get squirreled into you know giving a quote on the matter, all of a sudden um it's you know, it's it's uh it's it it, it goes all haywire. So I think that people that actually know the McNair's know that a lot of things get blown up into being absolute statements, yeah. Versus, like, hey, look, it's uh we, we're in a state of constant transition in this country, and people are learning about themselves more all the time, and you learn ways in which you might have affected them without realizing it, and and that's where we are with it.
1: All right, I'm going to save. I have the fifth one here. I'm going to save this one for the next segment because I think there's a, I think there's something about D'Amico's new relationship with the Texans that others it's a much bigger deal to others than it is to D'Amico Ryan's that we'll get to. Um, And also um, these other two head coaching vacancies is, are Indianapolis and Arizona going to hire a coach at all this year? Are they just going to, is Jim Ursay going to coach the Colts? So we'll, we'll get into that next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?